a series that we're calling Bear Fruit, and we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so far, Matt has covered love and joy, and last week, Maggie Keller talked about peace. She did such an awesome job. And tonight, we're talking about patience. And we um, very thoughtfully uh, determined that I would be the perfect person to talk about patience. Um, wonder why everyone in this community might think I have an abundance of patience. No, it's not because I work with Matt. That doesn't take any patience at all. But many of you remember that I have been a lifetime Chicago Cubs fan. And anyone who has been a Chicago Cubs fan would know you need patience. Because back in 2016, my dad and I sat at a pub in Longmont, Colorado and celebrated the World Series Chicago Cubs and only 108 years coming. And my dad had been following those Cubs longer than I had. So I have patience. So tonight we are talking about patience and we're in the book of Galatians, the, written by the Apostle Paul. And what I love about the, this letter its primary focus, or a great theme, I should say, in it is this idea of freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And in the chunk we're in, we're going to be in 22 through 25, chapter 5. In 13 through 25, Paul talks about, he sets out the nature and the meaning and the parameters of this freedom. But what it's really about is allowing us, giving us this freedom to love one another. And what Paul ends up saying over and over again is the only thing that counts is freedom to love one another. The only thing that counts is faith working from that, through that love. And it's not this kind of freedom of self-indulgence, meaning you can do anything you want, but rather through love it's when we become slaves to one another. The work of faith, which is the only thing that counts, is precisely this law. Because Paul talks about, no, 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 it's not about law. It's not about this law that works through circumcision and food laws, but it's about a law that at its core is about ethics. It's about people. And this is what it's about. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says that right before we get into the passage we're in. And this love of neighbor and self, this being slaves to one another in love, it stands completely opposed to the works of self-indulgence and flesh that Paul puts in this partial list of things that he says are like these, that works harm disrespects oneself and others in community. And that's where we dive into the fruit of the Spirit. And we can only do the fruit of the Spirit through the works of the Spirit. So this beautiful freedom that Jesus gives us is not about freedom of self-indulgence, but it's freedom from self for service to others. It's a freedom in which Life in community, it just makes it beautiful, it flourishes. And this patient that Paul talks about, it's never just for self. It's never for self alone, it's always for community. 
And I think as we go through the fruit of the Spirit, each and every one of those virtues, each and every one is not just for self, but for community. And Maggie pointed that out so beautifully because she talked about this peace, which yes, there is this inner peace we get from the Spirit, but it's not for sake of self. It's for, as Maggie said, ushering in the kingdom. It's for repairing and restoring the world. And that's exactly what patience is about for us, for community. Galatians 5.16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. So important to the context of what we're going to talk about tonight. And I've got to tell you that a week ago last Friday, I forgot to walk by the Spirit when it comes to patience. So, Patty, if you want to put that first slide up, this is where Steve and I live right now. We're in the apartments at Freight, freight Yard, Townhomes and Flats. We park right there on the right in those angled slots. And on this side of the parking lot, there are parallel parking. And unbeknownst to us, those aren't our parking spots. There's a little sign that says parking permit required. Well, we both, we have a parking permit. We figured it was for us. Well, a week ago Friday, our parking lot was full. So Steve parked in one of those slots. I parked right in front of him. It was packed. That evening, we're getting ready to go out. Can you flip that next one, Patty? A car double parked Steve. Look at we got a theme going. Maggie started hers with a parking story. Someone came and double parked next to Steve, so close that the mirrors were touching. And I went out to the car to get something, and I was so mad. I had just had Soren, our grandson, that day, and I was thinking, what if there had been an emergency and he was here, or Steve's dad's in hospice? And I'm like, if that wasn't my car in front of Steve's, we would never have gotten out. I was livid. And then I looked over. And I saw this note on Steve's windshield. Submitted your vehicle info to property manager to tow. And the thing that got me was that darn smiley face right there. <laughs> so all that to say, little did they know, I just pulled out and Steve pulled out and we parked around the block. And I went back in to get ready to go out and our 30-year-old neighbor, Will, I look out the window and he's talking to the people in that car. And they're yelling at him a young woman and a young man and they're just saying because Will parked there and they're screaming at him and I hear Will going hey man it was an accident it's okay it's cool and I hear them yelling and and Will's trying to smooth things over and all of a sudden I hear him say and hey tell the guy in the green car he can't park there either that's our car well don't I just march out there I'm so <laughs> mad at this point Steve said I knew it was bad because I looked out and all I could see was your head inside the window and as I started to say, hey, you guys, total accident. We had no idea we couldn't park there. They start screaming at me. And this young woman goes, anyone with any kind of mind knows how to compute a parking sign. She starts yelling. And I got to tell you what I did is something I, and I mean this, Steve can attest to it. I've never done it. I don't know what came over me. For sure I was not walking by the Spirit. But I stuck my head in there and I said, well, you don't have to be and it started with an A and it ended with a hole. <laughs> About it. Well, they just zoomed off 
And there's Will being cool as ever. Hey, man, it's okay. And I walked in and I felt, and I mean it, I couldn't believe that came out of my mouth. I couldn't believe I was so fired up. I said to Steve, that Will next door, he, he's probably going, isn't she a pastor? Like, what is she doing? And I said, who's this guy? Like, what, he's filled by the Spirit? And Steve goes, nah, I think he's just high. <laughs> True story. True story. So patience, don't we all need a little bit of patience in our life? And what we're going to find out tonight is it truly is with the work of the Spirit. It truly is this gift given to us by the Spirit. And it truly is a call in our life as followers of Jesus that we live our life inwardly and outwardly with patience because that is a testimony to the Jesus that we follow. So we're in Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Because if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Patience is a universal struggle for all of us. And I'm, I decided I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, this piece of it, because we all know it's part of our culture, specific to this Western American culture, that everything we want immediately, we get immediate gratification. You know, we were just talking the other day about how if someone doesn't reply to a text or an email right away, even on your weekends when you're not working, people get upset because we do things quickly and we have no patience for people who aren't moving and doing. So our culture is so much like this and unfortunately so is our Christian culture. You think about the Christian culture as being a group of people with passions, which is awesome. We should be passionate. It's a group of people with convictions. Yes, we have our convictions. But we struggle with patience. We want action now. We want to move now. We want it to happen now, even in the Christian community. And here's the thing. Patience made that top nine list of what God wants for our soul. He wants to see it done in our souls. And he wants something like that that's evident to the rest of the world. So how do you define patience? Let's start there. Because oftentimes I think we think, oh, you know, someone who's super calm, kind of responds coolly like Will, um, something like that. But that does not go deep enough. It's much like Maggie last week. She really took us deeply into what this biblical peace means. But the biblical patience is far deeper than that. And I'm going to throw the first slide up. And the Greek word for patience is macrothumia. Macrothumia. And if you look at the word, it's a compound formed by two Greek words. Macros, meaning long, distant, far off. And thumos, meaning passion or temper. Now, patience is mentioned like 25 times in the New Testament. And there is another word for another kind of patience. But this is the kind that, this is the Greek word that Paul uses in this passage. And in Galatians 5.22, it literally means long temper or long passion in the sense of the ability to hold one's temper for a long time. 
The King James uh, translation calls it long-suffering. I think of it as like a distant, far-off passion, like something that we desire, like we have this end, we want to be here, but it's not that near to me. And it always seems to involve some period of waiting. You could think of it like a delay in your life that requires perseverance. I kind of like that, a delay in your life that requires perseverance. You know what it makes me think about, Matt? It makes me think about even these big things. You know, I think it can be patience around little things like traffic, bigger things like your children, your relationships, big, big things like what's going on, the injustice, the racism in the world, in our communities. But what I was thinking about when I was thinking about this delay is when the table felt this call on their heart to move to Minneapolis. And when that happened, it was in the spring of March. And we wanted to be over there by that fall. We thought, hey, God's put this on our heart. Let's go. We're going to get there. And there was a lot of frustration around there because we didn't end up leaving until the following year. So there's this delay, this delay for this thing that we knew God was calling us to but it required us to persevere. It required us to wait. It required us to be active in that period of waiting. One thing I do just wanna comment quickly on, this was such a big topic. I could have done so many passages, gone so many directions, but I did wanna comment on this idea of long suffering and patience, especially when it comes to um, justice issues and inequity and things like that, what I want to make sure and point out is that when we're called to be patient, it does not mean that we're not called to stand up for what is right in God's eyes. And it does mean that often we have to be patient when we stand up for the things that are right in God's eyes and we get blamed and pointed at and yelled at and all those things that it's in those spaces that yes, sometimes we're called to be patient, but we are called to pursue those things. I just wanna make sure that we're not confusing that because sometimes I think that gets used incorrectly. So a patient person is someone who's enabled to endure pain, suffering, uncertainty. A patient person is slow to anger. A patient person waits on what God's doing. And since it's part, it's the work of the spirit, we can only have that macrothumia through the help of the spirit. So long suffering, that would be opposed to hastiness. Short tempered, they're talking about being long tempered, having a long fuse. And this kind of patience, it inclines us it inclines us to patiently bear our injuries. One thing that I thought was so interesting in this study is that I don't think we talk about patience much in the church, not in any deep way. It's kind of mentioned here and there. I don't think we spend a lot of time on it. I don't think we talk about it a lot. And the most fascinating thing is it was vitally important to the early church. It was like their top virtue that they talked about, they prayed about, they lived out. 
And it was interesting because during that time, it wasn't a virtue that was held up at all by that, that Greco-Roman community, but it was centrally important to those new Christians. And so many of these big names that we might know, if you've studied the early church history, Tertullian and Cyprian and Justin the Martyr and Clementine of Alexandria, all these patriarchal writers and theologians and philosophers, they wrote about patience. The first treatise ever written for the early church was on patience. There was actually three of them written just on patience. And they called it the highest virtue, the virtue, and I love this, that was peculiarly Christian. Meaning that Christians alone lived out this virtue in this culture of patience. And as Christians, they believed that God is patient. They believed that Jesus visibly embodied patience. And this was a group of people that weren't about controlling events. They weren't anxious. They weren't in a hurry. And this was all very intentional. They trusted God and they thought, if we trust God, then we should be patient. And very important to who they were was that their behavior said what they believed. And one of the things I found most fascinating about this group of people who had patient as their core key value was that they continued to grow and flourish, and they grew and flourished not because they won arguments, but they grew. They grew because of this habitual way of life, this habitual behavior that was rooted in patience. And people were drawn to it. They were intrigued by it. They thought, wow, that's a unique distinctive that just this group holds. I want to know more about that. And I find that fascinating. Cyprian, in one of his writings, said this. Patty wants to throw that up. Therefore, as servants and worshipers of God, let us show by spiritual homage the patience that we learn from heavenly teachings for that virtue we have in common with God. So here's what it was about for them. And what I'm going to talk about right now it's what their experience was. It's what they knew about God through scripture. And this is why they put patience at the center of who they were as a people. They believed these things, that patience is rooted in God's character. Now, we know that. We see it all over scripture, right? God's patience with his people. The heart of patience is revealed in the incarnational Jesus. Patience is not in human control kind of the point of the talk tonight. Patience is not in a hurry. Patience is unconventional. Patience is nonviolent. And I love this one. Patience gives religious freedom. And lastly and importantly, patience is hopeful. Wow, why did we wander away from that? It seems so simple. It seems like it'd be so freeing if we could actually embrace this kind of patience that this group of early church, of early Christians did. So maybe the question we need to ask as we look into our own souls and into our community is how much difference does our faith 
and the spirit working in us make in our communal life? How much difference does that faith and the spirit's work, how much difference is it actually making in the world? I think it's funny because I do think we all need patience in different areas of our life. Some of us are wired more naturally to that. I think my family would agree even by nature. I'm a little slower, maybe too slow sometimes to react and except I tend to blow one time a year and maybe that's why that happened with the car the other day. But I do think that it's something that we can't do alone. We need the help of the spirit we need the help of each other because I think there's always a season when we're in that we're in where we need some patience there's always a moment or certainly in a culture that there's these places and spaces that we are in waiting so how do we do that how do we come more more patience Especially if you think about it, it's a gift from the Spirit. That always gets confusing to me. So it's not really just like on our own hard work. But I think what it is about is how does the Spirit, how do we allow the Spirit to be more operative in our life? How do we flame that fire a little bit? How do we maybe cooperate with the Spirit? Because I do think we need to. I think patience is a key issue in a lot of our lives. Patience in the face of promises, yet to be kept patience in the meantime of long illnesses, broken relationships, unrealized expectations and hopes that we have. Patience after all the patience that we've had just runs out. We have delays in our lives all the time, requiring perseverance. So how? We'll have a couple thoughts on how we might get there a little bit. And I think one of the first things is to actually recognize it. Recognize the delay. Recognize this period of waiting. Recognize it for what it is. Name it. Claim it. Embrace it. Honor the delay. It'll take courage and it'll take strength but you know that you won't do it alone. In First Colossians, Paul says, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. We are strengthened through God so that we might have the courage to embrace the space we're in, the delay. I think God wants us to do that. He strengthens us so we can do that. And it's going to take time because some of these places in our life where we need to persevere, where we need to wait, those are long places. Sometimes they're places and spaces that need to be deconstructed so we can build them back up again. This long suffering. Sometimes it's a long haul. I think the mistake we so often make instead of naming it and embracing it is we plow right through it. We are people who we're just going to go ahead anyway. Nope, there is nothing in our life that's stopping us. There's no delays for me. I have these goals. I'm going for them. I'm not stopping. I'm not pausing. But the reality is we all know that a lot of our life is 
not in our control. And something happens and all of a sudden, we can't plow ahead anymore. Or we plow over someone and we break relationship because the kind of stuff we're talking about is relationship breaking. We are relational people and sometimes we need to be patient. And it's a patience that involves listening and loving and being humble and moving aside that pride that might be inside of you. Here's the second thing. While you're embracing your delay, keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus because for us there's something far bigger than this thing going on in our life. No matter how little, how big, there is something far bigger. And if we can keep our eyes on Jesus while we're embracing that delay, we can experience that kind of, that kind of uh, patience in our life. Lean in, depend on, press on. Because here's the goal. Our goal is kingdom work. Our goal is what Maggie said last week, ushering in the kingdom. One of the things this reminded me of when we were talking about keeping your eyes on the goal, on the prize, keeping, helping to keep your patience. I was thinking about, Rachel, are you here tonight? When Rachel and I and Tammy and our dear friend Jeannie started this living in the tension group over at Christ Presbyterian Church years ago, building a bridge between the church and the LGBTQ community, and it was this space that all people could come and our, we just wanted to know one another and hear each other's hearts and show each other love. And I can remember being in one meeting in particular and I was sitting at a table with people and someone next to me was talking about this idea that no way we do not want to be inclusive of, of the LGBT community. We start doing that in the churches and the schools. Then my kids, when they get to middle school, they're going to choose their sexual orientation. Well, I just about flipped a lid. I, was, I could just feel it. I could feel it churning. I was so mad. It was such bad information. It just wasn't true. But literally, I closed my eyes and turned away for a moment, and I started playing, praying, God, you're going to have to help me here with this to keep my mouth shut, to be patient, because the bigger prize here, the bigger goal is your kingdom work, and that kingdom work can only be if we are building relationships with each other, if we are listening. And maybe I might just ask a question that might help that conversation go a different direction. But it's that kind of thing that I was thinking about when I was thinking about keep your eyes on Jesus. I think it's important. And number three, the third thing I think we can do to sort of uh, open up to the spirits movement, and this feels hard if you're really in a hard place, but is to look to see what God is doing in your life. I know a lot of your stories here. You know mine. And that is so much easier said than done. Because I know the days that I struggle with infertility, and I have friends now that are struggling with infertility, and that is real hard after three years of trying to have a baby 
see what God's doing. I know from my sister and my friends who walked the journey of cancer, wow, keep your eyes open for what God's doing. But as hard as that sounds, you start looking and you start seeing. You start seeing that God has not left you alone in the waiting. He's not left you alone in the uncertainty. He has not left you because he has surrounded you. He has surrounded you with people that are walking this walk. And here's what happens when we do that. When we look around and we start paying attention to how God's showing up, we are changed. Transformation, that's how transformation happens. Isaiah 49, 18 says, lift up your eyes and look around. There will be times where there will be these delays in your life. And the patience that we are called to, it's tied strongly to trust. Because sometimes we know we're not getting what we want we got to trust that God's giving us exactly what we need. There was someone in one of the commentaries, I thought this was funny. He said, well, when the going gets tough, the tough get faithful. Kind of corny, but kind of true. I kind of liked it. But that's what this is talking about, is this idea of trusting in God no matter what the circumstances, where you need the patience, what the delay is. And my fourth thing, embracing the delay, keeping your eyes on Jesus, looking at what God's doing in your life. My fourth one is this. If you can't do any of those things because the space you're in is too hard, ask for help. That's why we are in this together. You ask for help because we are called to walk alongside each other and everything. I think you can't talk about patience though if you don't tie in hope as well because all of it leads to hope. Romans 8, 22 through 25 says this, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the, redemptions of our, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we're saved. And this is the part that's so important for the patience that we need. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We don't always get what we want, but I really believe we can hold on to the hope that God gives us just what we need. And God gives us the patience when we need it. And again, not for our own sakes, but the sake of community for his kingdom, for people knowing that it's something different about people following Jesus. I love that patience is directly related to Paul's idea of love and that it's related to hope. 
And this patience is a vital part of the process of how God works over a long span of time. And sometimes that process helps mold us closer into the image of God as well. God's the source, the spirit is the means, and we get the good gift. Now, one last thing I want to say before I close it up. Here's some good news. Because I have, I joked about that story, but I really did feel kind of bad about it. And, uh, but here's the beauty is God does not think, he knows we haven't arrived yet. Maggie, you mentioned this last week. We haven't arrived. And Paul is clear that the gift of the Spirit does not mean that we've already arrived spiritually. Rather, the Spirit is that first fruit of adoption as God's children, an adoption that still awaits completion. And I think that's a good thing because it means, you know what, it's okay. I can start again. I can lean into the spirit because life in the meantime, life in the meantime will always be characterized by suffering and struggle we have a spirit and the spirit's solidarity with us in our weakness. And that is a powerful hope that we all get to hold. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. I'm ending with that because it's a just do it kind of command because that Greek word that's used, the be, it's an imperative command in the original Greek. At the end of the day, God commands us to be patient and we do do that with the help of the Spirit. Please pray with me. Holy and gracious God, Gosh, we come before you and we know, Lord, that we are broken and messy and confused and, and impatient. And you put before us, God, so many different things that we stumble around on, whether they're little things like parked cars or big things like broken relationships or even bigger things. Journeying and hard health situations or the inequity and inequality in our world, all these things, Lord. But our hope, our hope as you call us to help usher the kingdom in, to heal all those things is in you. And it's in the spirit, God, that you've left to help us as we continue to grow into your likeness. And in some small way, Show that patience to a world that's in great need of it. God, we give the rest of this time to you and we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I think about patience, I think about um, Hebrews chapter 12 where it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. There are so many different things that gets set before us. Kids. Right? But Jesus puts joy. He has a bigger picture, which allows him to actually endure the smaller things that stand in his way. 
and allowed him on the last night before he was betrayed to gather with his friends and to recognize that the story that they had been stepping in for the past few years was coming to an end and the throne wasn't theirs. Peace had yet to be established. Inequity was still present. Things were unfinished, a little bit more messy than they had anticipated they'd be. But Jesus does the best thing that they can do in that moment. And he reminds them that we're in this thing together every step along the way until that day where the finish line actually gets crossed. Side by side we go. And so he lifts up the bread from the center of the table and he breaks it and he says, this is my body and it's broken for you. Whenever you gather around a table and you eat this bread, remember me. He then pours a glass of wine and he says, this is my blood, blood of the new covenant. When you drink this, remember me. And so we do that here at the table. Recognizing that our stories as individuals, our stories as a community is not glossed over and finished, but we're going step by step, side by side together. One of the ways we do that is we stand and we say the Lord's Prayer together. Will you please stand with me? In a moment when you come, uh, the invitation at hand is to come and tear off a piece of bread. You'll dip it into the cup. In the middle, we have gluten-free elements. And on the side, we have gluten-full elements. Um, before we do that, please pray the Lord's Prayer. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not.